Hello and welcome to Pullback Reveal with me, Kev Rook, the interview podcast where we talk to funny people to find out what makes them laugh. So we'll speak to comedians, actors, authors, academics, award winners, sports people, you name it, and we'll find out from them what they find funny and how humour and comedy has influenced their work. So it might get serious from time to time, hey? Why not, hey? But at the end of the day, we'll always come back to the funny. So sit back, relax, put your feet up and enjoy this week's episode of Pull Back Reveal. Thank you very much. Hello and welcome to this episode 8 of Pullback Reveal with me, Kev Rook, and this week our very special guest, Mr Tony Law. Now, as you'll hear, I'm outside at the moment because the edit on this one has gone right up to the last minute. Um, we've got a nice busker at one end of St Anne's Square in Manchester and uh, some policemen right at the other end. So uh, that's not a metaphor for life. I don't know what is. Now, you will notice about this episode that it is quite a long one, a bit longer than we normally do, about half an hour longer. Uh, but the interview was split over three telephone calls um, and I've edited a lot, but I didn't want to rip the heart and soul out of this one because... Um, Okay, even if we don't manage to turn them all over, we are definitely kicking at an awful lot of stones here. So we're going to talk about sobriety and alcoholism and the problems that Tony's had, but also how he's in a place at the moment where he's probably creating his best, definitely some of his very best work that he has ever done so far. Um, Oh God, the police are coming in. I must have uh, used a code word or something there. Um, But no, we, we talk all sorts, identity and life and society and also a lot about his Edinburgh Festival show Tony Law identifies uh, which all the details are in the show notes and uh, yeah as I said we talk about in detail as well so nothing more to say really keep my chitter chatter short so that you can get on you might want to approach this one in chunks good morning officer there they go on their horses and we will get ready for this one so sit back relax Put your feet up and enjoy Tony Law speaking with me on Paul Back Reveal. Thank you very much. Tea is funny. Is that Carl Barat? Right. Okay. Yeah. From um, oh, what what's uh, Libertines? Libertines. There you go. Of course. Yeah. He's so funny because my friend. Well, I became friends with a guy who's the bass player in his other band, the Jackals. And this okay. bass player guy, he was a fan of mine. And then I got to know him through him coming to my gigs. And then I found out, oh, so he played with him. Anyway, long story short, went out with them. And he, that guy was funny all night long. Yeah, he's kind of edgy funny. So it's like, and I'm a bit, I'm a bit soft. I, I couldn't quite keep up. Yeah, he, he no, he, he, he seems quite clever and smart and, and everything. Yeah. Probably like the yin and yang of him and Pete. Pete Doherty, I guess, or Doherty, however you want to pronounce yeah. it, because obviously there's been uh, bands and everything before, aren't they? No, he seems a bit more intense, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, too intense for this guy. Yeah, yeah, I bet. So I bet you we, we've sort of kicked off straight into it, really, almost. Yeah, with, got um, a name the way... drop in there. Right yeah, the exactly. <laughs> yeah. Not just the... On the, I'm not just a farm kid anymore, Dad. No, exactly. Look at all these people I hang out you with. Know, trouble is, is all the names that would 
that I think are cool, none of them have any effect on my parents. So I'm still not going to win. <laughs> yeah, it's trying to, I don't know. Who, who I tried you? to impress my mom with knowing Mary Baird for about eight years and kept dropping it and dropping it. And that not, not, at no Nothing. point did they ever show any interest. Who would impress them? Uh, oh, I was trying, like Mary, uh, actually, I don't know. Probably no one. They're that kind of <laughs> salt of the earth that not, no one would impress them. Yeah, and let, maybe like the the next farmer or something, you know, or the big farmer in Alberta or something, if you knew that. Well, with mum, it would be maybe a Calypso star because she's okay. in Trinidad. Oh, right. And cool. she likes all the soca singers. Like, like, And again, those are so obscure. If I met them, only she would find that impressive. <laughs> so you've either got like a zero hit rate or a one hit rate then. You can't really yeah, win yeah, too much yeah. of those. <laughs> yeah, I think actually mum saw a photo of me and Mary Baird in the Independent when they were doing a series of like, uh, you know, kooky, unlikely friendships. Yeah. And there was me and Mary were posing, having a laugh. And I think my mum was actually jealous that I was stood with an older woman. <laughs> I, think she, yeah. I think I could sense in her, like, oh, what does she do? What, what's, what's that? Oh, uh, she's only like the most uh, famous and best at history in the whole world. <laughs> and uh, oh, really? And mum just pretended that didn't interest her at all. Yeah, yeah, it's it's tricky with parents, isn't it? Of, now, um, now she's got now she's got dementia, so fuck, game over. I missed my <laughs> <mate. a> chance. <laughs> oh man, well yeah, you know, man. <laughs> um, you got to try and find the funny in it, man. Of course you do. Of course you do. And um, how how are you, mate? Anyway, how how how's Tony at the moment? How's Tony Law? Pretty, uh, you know, pretty goddamn good. You caught me on a caught me on a pretty good day, I suppose. I mean, can't complain. I got. Uh, I picked up the kids from school and um, locked them out of the sitting room. Sat with a really big rabbit. We've got a rabbit who's really growing. And I've got a German shepherd, you know. So I'm pretty lucky. Oh, awesome. yeah. How am I doing? I'm doing good, except Edinburgh panic again. Is it hanging over you a bit at this time of year? Is it? Is the... Hell yeah. This will be my 16th solo show. Fuck, man. And I've and I've put more into this one, like I, because I, I haven't had a laptop for ten years. Long story there, but I won't say it. Anyway, my sister, I, I, I noticed that her flat. I was going, you get a fucking old laptop? <laughs> Why? I don't even have one. Oh yeah, you can have it. It's like Jesus Christ. Yeah, I haven't used it for years. So anyway, I just got on that for six months. I wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote, and then I just. And I read it, and it's just terrible and not funny. And oh, man. Just, just, uh, so, so I've been going through that. So I've gone back to my old technique, was just, just scribble uh, like crazy writing and loads of little books and then going on stage and trying to panic it together. And that, that seems to be more productive. Do you take the, bu- the books on stage with you then? Do you sort of, you're, you're happy to have a little notebook with you and flick through? And... Sometimes, but mostly... Um, I, I, I try and just, just scribble in them and then have them as part of my mind. So, got you, got part you. Part of so, my memory. I mean, we, we, yeah, let's launch into like Edinburgh stuff oh, now. Yeah. Then. So, what, what's the name of the show this year, Tony? Okay, so just having a quick vape. Oh, oh, not that we're in the same room, but you know, it's, I, I might have a, this could be the vaping episode. I've not had one. Yeah, yeah, do a Yeah, couple. I've been very you... professional and, yeah, and but but the sound of it is good. That's with Craig Campbell. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and, How's uh, Greg doing? 
Yeah, he's good, man. Yeah, um, we had a, a, a really, we had a really good chat. Yeah, him and me and Dan Antopolsky did a show together uh, in 2003 and 2004. It was called The Dinks. Well, the, the, sorry, I'll interrupt. The trilogy, the triangle, the whatever you'd call it, is complete because I spoke to Dan yesterday. Oh, did you? Oh, I love yeah. Dan. So there, that's. I'm looking up at the sky, expecting something to happen, but maybe I need to like publish all three episodes, and then uh, it'll be the second coming or something's going to happen. <laughs> did they even mention the Dinks? Those guys? They didn't. No, well out of oh, order. I can't believe it. And they denied it. Actually, that <laughs> no, was they like didn't. Fourteen years, fifteen years ago now, I guess. Uh, yeah, those those shows. Oh, we were we were called by the Guardian uh, lesser than the sum of its parts. <laughs> uh, I think it was really good, but basically it was a show. To try um, uh, the first one was quite popular, and the second one we tried to make each other laugh, and it was really harsh. It was about a, a rodeo clown. Uh, it was about a rodeo clown raping spree of rodeo clowns. Like it was really harsh and dark, but it was so funny, and uh, there, there was like a hardcore of people who really loved it mostly comedians but <laughs> you, you wouldn't get away with that now even if it is rodeo clowns yeah and they've, got, like, they've got they've uh, got their own groups haven't they they have to yeah. protect protect they're, those bad boys yeah they're a protected group <laughs> and then uh, we had those big old um you remember those big bouncing kind of sh- uh bouncing shoes no more not shoes they're like blades you know blades yeah bouncing yeah blades. and we we had big alien costumes. Anyway, I won't go into it anymore on that, but it was crazy. And then the next year, We Are Clan came out, and boy, they went from strength to strength. So they, they took over all the trios. Right, yeah, they've yeah, monopolized that for uh, a good they, while, didn't they? That's it. It was them. It was Clang. They took over, and then Clang passed it on to those, what are those boys called? Uh, Smiley Club? No. Um, oh. you know, three nice boys. One's got glasses. Little one with glasses. Pappies. Pappies. Pappy's Fun Club, yeah, and they, yeah. they, 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 they are nice they're boys, the are They're lovely boys, yeah. They're lovely fellas, and they're, they're, the, they're the monsters of the three-way. I like the way that you're trying to remember their name was like the Smilers or what? Because <laughs> they're <laughs> just like, like smiling. Prick, <laughs> what an asshole. It's like when, you, when your dad's trying to, what's the name of that <laughs> pop group? The, the, the Floppy Fringes? No, they're not, not called that, Dad. They've got hair. You're right that they've got hair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I've not, I've not been able to pinpoint when I've turned into a, my dad, but it's yeah, somewhere along the lines, uh, along the timeline of since being a dad, I suppose. Yeah, the, smi- the smiley happy boys. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm going to call them from now onwards. <laughs> I noticed they're all working in TV, and none of us three are. So, wow. so the smiley happy boys have got it right. You've got to plaster that smile on Tony, obviously, and uh, yeah, yeah, get that fringe sorted out. Well, my my problem was is I the only way I was going to the the schmoozy uh, do's, uh, you know, the TV kind of going to all the parties and mixing and getting your face out was if I was absolutely fucking hammered. Yeah. And so so that was not the right way to play that. But I don't drink. I'm absolutely could like cannot go into a room full of people. So. So I just don't have the genes for it. Well, it's going to have to. We'll jump around, and I sort of half expected that we probably would do, not just because of you, but because of uh, my nature on sort of thinking of something and going, oh, let's 
run oh, that yeah, way with, with, with let's do no, it. no 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 but 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 it's cool I, I don't mind tangents that's absolutely fine um because i was in two minds you brought it up there yourself of like oh do i mention the bloody sobriety thing because i've <laughs> you know listening to podcasts you've done and reading the interviews it I don't know if it's the first thing that everyone asks you about at the moment or not. Uh, or no, prob- only for, no, for a couple of years it was, but not anymore. Nobody, yeah. uh, nobody talks to me anymore, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody mentions it now. Good, good. Yeah. Well, no, I'm, I'm pleased about that, actually, if anything, because, you know, it's, uh, I don't, I, it's I got not some about- good material out of it, though. Like, like last year's show was, uh, you know, tons of drinking stuff, but, uh, I think uh, my wife pointed me in the direction. Of, you know, you, I think you've milked that enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it still affects you, do you think, of like socializing and getting out there? Well, no, I, I don't. It, it, yeah, it, mostly that, that, that's just like the underlying person. It's right. Like who, who I naturally am uh, isn't very social at that, all. That's annoying, so, isn't it? You, it stop, you stop drinking to find the real you and you're like, who's yeah. this guy? What? I don't this need you at the moment. <laughs> just a really dull guy. <laughs> I, I enjoy one-on-one, and, <laughs> and I like going to uh, shows. I, li- I like uh, chatting to people before a show and after a show, and then after that, that's my social. Then I'm done. I've I've kicked the booze myself. Um, oh, congratulations! Not, thank you, mate. Yeah, not too long ago, and I've had a couple of little wee slips. Um, oh yeah, they're co- as they're known in the business of uh, alcoholism, aren't they? You're allowed. To, yeah, yeah. you're allowed <laughs> to call them. Oh, I had a little slip. Unless uh, which... you're a re- unless you were really, really off the other edge like me, and I I haven't had any slips. But that'll happen if you if you go way too far. Yeah, then you're, you 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 get frightened of it. Not not that I have any like strength of character or anything like that. It's just that once I stopped, that was it. <laughs> it's like more like fear. Yeah. Like so, what, terror. Is, is that because I'm a bit scared of the drink now? To be honest with you, that's sort of like my where I've got to mentally with it now. Of I wouldn't want one because I'm sort of just the idea makes me nervous. To be honest, you yeah, know, because I've gone like a good few months without it, and and it's kind of like, oh shit! Not that I'd expect to turn into the Incredible Hulk or any, you know anything like that if I had one one sip of the stuff. But yeah, it, it does get to a stage I think where you just like so. Uh, yeah, I just think but, I know how thirsty I am, and I also I know uh, I just like the buzz too much, and I know I would just chase the buzz. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's the, that's the, the well, that's why it's uh, I causes get some on, problems. Get, it does. I get off on being so dull now, and uh, well, I mean, I I don't care whether it's dull or not, but like, I just get off on on uh, doing all my nerd, not nerd, but just like, you know. Uh, listening to interesting podcasts and reading and and just doing all kind of uh, all of that stuff I, I there's not enough time in the day to do all of that that you want to do now anyway but it does it does you know when i do drive by a pub or something i see a group of people in there laughing i because sometimes i think what is it i do like i don't have any interests and i find <laughs> so like i'll go to museums and i'll do all like kids stuff like I'm a very available father but I think the reason I'm an available father is I don't have any other life <laughs> so, yeah so yeah. it's like oh what are my interests and um and then I re- I'm reminded when I see people in a pub and I oh yeah I used to go to pubs all the time and talk and yeah. just gas bags so that's the only difference now 
Yeah, I, I, I think I'm, I'm still at a sort of stage where I'm, I'm still jealous, I think, of people that seem able to manage it better, you know, and kind of... Uh, yeah, that's I, I, a classic. You know, that kind of like, why can't, why aren't I, why can't I be normal with it? You know, if I could just be normal with it, then it would be, you know, but that's, that's part of your brain trying to bullshit you, I think, isn't it? And say, try and trick you into doing something. So, yeah, that's that. I had that, I had that over the first year or so. And then that that kind of fades eventually. Um, But yeah, yeah. No, that's all I got to say on that. I, no, I had fair something enough, else man. to say. That's the thing. Short-term memory is just completely destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> it's not coming back. Everything else comes back. <laughs> but well, that one. Yeah, the, the shame, the shock, the horror. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, those bad you know, the, memories. That, that thing where you just, <laughs> where you just find you catch yourself staring out a window with your mouth open and just, and just sitting there and you catch yourself going, this is nice. Yeah. And you can, you can actually do it for about like eight minutes. Yeah, you catch yourself and you think, "Yeah, I wouldn't have been able to do that before because <laughs> I'd have too much going on in my head." Yeah, exactly, man. And uh, yeah, the, all the bullshit that goes goes with it as well. It's uh, no, I, I, I was really, really chuffed to be honest with. You. Not that I knew you personally at all, but you know, when I heard that you were, you know, going down that route and way before I decided to take that step myself, because um, you know, my, let's have the let's have the little gushy moment here. I'll get this out yeah, of the way. Yeah, nice. Love it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's um, watching you on TV for a good number of years and, you know, gigs and that kind of thing as well. I think, and chatting to other comics about you and other people who are fans of comedy as well, actually, there's so much, like, love for you out there. You know, it's everyone says really positive stuff. You know, everyone likes your comedy. Everyone's like, he's a great guy. He's a great guy as well. So, you know, for, for for me, someone who's kind of had my demons and that kind of thing in the past as well, it's great to see that someone that you like so much is brave enough and is as difficult as it is to, to get straight and everything is going down that route. Because unfortunately, what usually happens is the ones that you really, really love are the ones that sort of <laughs> never yeah. sort it out, you know, and it ends up being a a sad story at the yeah, end yeah, you know it's that it's the yeah and i that was definitely the way i was going because i'm also quite late and like late on like quite old when i stopped <laughs> so like mid 40s but i i could i thought that you know I was, I was pretty lucky to get through to there i think you know the one thing that saved me is i've not had any kind of um this is going to sound maybe well uh, I never had any huge career success, like financial success. So the need to stop was huge. Oh, and there right. was also the losing the family. I'm really keen on them. So, <laughs> so that yeah, that that was a great like uh, scare. Th- those two things combined, because I think if I had had like loads of cash or something, or had some sort of success, maybe I might have gone. Uh, I might have just said, "Ah, fuck it. Hey, well, you don't need to bother." I thought, no, you really, you, you're gonna have to pull, uh, pull, uh, pull the nose up. Yeah, yeah. Because the dirt. Because I, I was going to AA for a little bit and um, stopped because I, I'd, I'd sort of got from it what I needed to, if that makes sense. I know yeah, that's no, like completely, completely against the rules of AA. Like, there's guys and girls in there, you know, that are like. I've been coming to this meeting for 45 years. That scared <laughs> the shit out of me when they I, do that. I know, but it's all that. I think you're similar to me in that, yeah, we've we've had some bad times and it's probably it's fucked up some stuff for us and 
ruined opportunities or we've missed opportunities maybe because of how we've been living but we've not got to the point where and you probably then it sounds like you're sort of echoing what I'm saying of when you sat in a room with all these people that are just saying I've lost everything and I was sort of sat there one meeting thinking hang on a minute I haven't yet yeah I've still got my family I've still got a job I've still got most of my teeth and stuff like this you know yeah it's yeah like, i mean i've lost you, a, you you've probably you must have lost a few teeth i did oh yeah there's that's there's, the funny thing they never talk there's about some that, gone. They? yeah there are actually because of it yeah i got about three big gaps up there luckily none of the front ones <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's classic <laughs> yeah but that's kind with of, the stuff that goes with it that uh dries out your gums and all that isn't it <laughs> well yeah for, for me i i was just uh drunk and yeah. got in, got into trouble, got into a bit of trouble one evening, basically, uh, because of the alcohol making me act a way that I wouldn't normally do, and also, you know, hanging around in circles that I ideally wouldn't be hanging around in. But, yeah, you know, that's the thing. A respectable you, you do, person. You do end up in a lot of in a lot of crazy situations, and I think when I was in my teens and my twenties, and even into my early thirties, you end up those things can seem quite romantic. You can end up with some dodgy people and you got some great stories and yeah, yeah, get lived in. And then once you start heading into your forties and you've got kids and you start ending up with people, it gets darker. <laughs> yeah. People get worse. Don't Shame gets to... worse. And the people you're with don't have respect for you either. And then that's when it's really downhill. The, isn't it? the, the scary bit is you turn into, and I, I think you could act this. I'm not saying you are this person, but I think you could act this role. Fucking brilliant. You know, when you're 19 getting into those situations, there's always that. Uh, and there was this weird older guy there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it was like hanging around guy, with us. Like all over and the then, world. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, hang on. I'm the weird <laughs> yeah. older guy in this situation now. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've been there <laughs> Why am I out drinking with all these 20 year olds and, you know, yeah. in the worst mess of the lot of us? The only the one thing I was doing, I think best is because I was so ashamed of it and stuff. I was I was hiding it as much as I could have, and so I, I guess the only but the only time I was like was usually on stage. I was, I was somehow managing to sober up for for the shows, um, so to present this nice guy, just a fun nice guy, and and I'd even um, but I'd have an Evian bottle just just vodka <laughs> so, right fuck. and then he go oh yeah i'll have one pint i'm not really drinking tonight even though i'm just fucking necking uh you know necking vodka to just but still appearing kind of sober yeah or, the or at least drink- that's what i thought when you did your round in pubs did you always get yourself a couple of uh little uh shots for just yourself at the bar yeah to drink at the bar before i took the drinks back yeah yeah you gotta have that one yeah <laughs> you've earned <laughs> that's it. it that's the best one <laughs> yeah a couple little shots come back and you're captain of the universe you big chit chat oh fuck man I've, I've said that i'm not drinking oh, this is how much it makes you lie and bullshit i've oh i'm not drinking tonight i'll get the drinks in and then i've gone to the bar and just like yeah snuck a drink what oh what a prick yeah what a prick. yeah, yeah oh. that's that that's what uh, yeah it takes a few months to get uh to come to terms with how much of a liar you are <laughs> No, but no, it's so it's fascinating. It's interesting for me, and I've probably been self-indulgent there as well because of, uh, you know, I reckon I can, rela- I can relate basically. You know, so it's. Uh, I reckon podcasts have have been really good because you can go do a podcast and it's a bit like a social, and it feels like there was a point to it as well. So yeah, 
so I've um, I've done all my socializing by just doing podcasts or radio shows or stuff like that. Just going and having a chat, catching up. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, definitely, yeah. man. Definitely. So look back back to the Edinburgh show. That's where yeah. we, we we started, wasn't it? So the title. Yes, go for it. Well, as you know, you got to come up with it in February, and I so I've always tried to make it as vague as possible, but something. Uh, so like, uh, when I was really going through another Who revival, I was uh, I was instead of uh, maximum over maximum blues or whatever, I was doing. Uh, so I call it maximum nonsense or nonsense overdrive or something. And this year, I wanted to call it identifies with a Z. But then it came back spell checked as identifies. So it's got this kind right. of whole face. Tony Law identifies. Yeah. And so the show's kind of going to be a little bit about like what people might expect. If they're going to think it's a show about Tony's identified a new element or is he identified uh, uh, or is he going to talk about identities? <laughs> so, yeah. And, um, and then I thought, and then I got, I thought I was going to do a, like a real red pill show about oh how um, uh, I'm going to just talk about I can't play all this woke shit and then yeah, but then yeah. I got bo- I got bored of that too and so and then I thought well I'll make it really political and kind of mainstreaming that'll get me back on the panel shows yeah yeah <laughs> because my agent said like you know lots of these people that keep saying we really love Tony but. We just not, like you know, especially like Radio Four. They're like, but um, we're not sure his sort of he can do this sort of stuff. And I'm like, I could do it. But anyway, that was the plan. But now it's just it's just ended up um, uh, the the stuff you kind of like doing just comes out natural. So now it's it's got me. I'm ride pr- riding around on a horse. I get everyone in the audience to identify as uh, uh, as we're all the same tribe of Indo-European horse people. Okay, and and I just because I love that, um, you know, that motion of when you're trotting on a horse and talking, and so I do. That's that's the motivation behind that. It's just like trotting around the room, chatting to people on horseback, and about what we're gonna do uh, as a tribe on the Pontic Steppe. We're gonna go do some raiding and stuff. So talk about that. So. Uh, I'm going to be an Indo-European horse tribesman. Um, <laughs> and I've got myself a, a top hat uh, and, a, and a bit of an outfit like uh, B- B- Bill the Butcher from uh, Gangs of New York because everybody's so divided. So that's my motivation with the costume. I always start with a costume and I figure everybody's so, so divided. I'm going to be the Gangs of New York, the five points, the five gangs. So that, oh, yeah. that's my thinking behind the costume and then usually the costume at some point a routine will be born that's just based on the costume and then that'll inform a whole nother section of the show and uh, what else is in it yeah and then and then i do talk about um how much i love britain so so instead of like complaining about rich white people yeah so my because my biggest bugbear is rich posh white people um who are woke suddenly just going around telling all the white people that they need to check their privilege, which yeah. drives me right through the fucking wall. It makes me want to just murder. Yeah. Uh, like, how dare they? <laughs> so, like a guy in Sunderland on an estate and has just got no privilege and no no power, nothing. And, and he needs to check his privilege and he needs to feel bad about being part of the tyrannical patriarchy. 
fuck you. But I can't be that sort of person who says that. Yeah. So I just do more celebratory stuff and I celebrate the things that made me want to move to England, which I kind of do a little bit in every show, but I'm doing more of it again. And uh, just like punk rock. And I love, I love really posh English people who've fallen and have nothing, <laughs> no status left, but they're still posh. Right. Um, like my mother-in-law. I love those people because they're st so stiff upper lip. And so I'm just finding ways to celebrate uh, the British people uh, as my uh, the, uh, way. So I'm celebrating basically the, the working classes and the upper classes. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's, so there's a bit of that. And then a bit of Irish, uh, an Irishman, a Scotsman and a Welshman stuff where I get to do accents. And, and, uh, and uh, uh, then I talk about my DNA. And so I guess actually, you know what? It's accidentally been uh, a little bit about identities because... Um, I guess uh, I get everyone to identify as Indo-European horse tribes people, which which all of us, most of us, if you're from like northern India, Iran, or anywhere in Europe, yeah, you're gonna have at least forty nine percent of your DNA, or like uh, unless you're mixed race or whatever, is gonna come from that. Like so, like um, you could have a Bangladeshi friend, and there you guys may share a couple of the same. Uh, strains the r1b gene whatever it is anyway so i think that's fantastic so we can all be um horse tribes people before we all split up and went our separate ways so i love all that so so i guess i'm doing that then awesome. then i talk about talk about my neanderthal ancestors yeah so actually fuck you know I was only saying, <laughs> it's all about you identity. i realize it is like the title. <laughs> oh, that's an accident <laughs> Back to the drawing board. Riffle yeah, so that up, yeah. Looks like I may have <laughs> accidentally got a theme. Oh, and then I then I feel sorry for myself a bit, and I just say how Edinburgh is just unfair because um, it's just built for all the people who've been to um, university. So you can go up to Edinburgh and do an Edinburgh show because you know how to do a beginning, a middle, and an end, and you know how to write an essay. Those people know how to make a show feel so satisfying, even if you haven't laughed in it. You, yeah. you just go, oh, what a journey that was. What a good story. It makes and then sense. There's yeah, more, book yeah morons like me just come out and just do whatever they can remember to do. <laughs> 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 you just like, oh, remember. Like, I feel like it's a success based only on, like, I've, oh, I remembered most of the stuff <laughs> I was going to say and everyone laughed. But that with my technique, it usually means that people laugh up to about 50 minute mark and then it tapers away at the end but you know sometimes uh if you really build up the giggles you can roll it right through yeah so, I remember so seeing how... sean Locke in 2002 at a show which was my, i just thought wow he had no beginning middle and end he just brought it up and he just went full on pedal yeah. to the metal funny and weird for an hour and I left that exhausting exhausted and I thought that's what I want to do is to just try and be funny for an hour without any thread <laughs> yeah i've heard you talk about sean before you're a big fan aren't you you really like sean lot yes but like when he was on the circuit he was the guy i really looked up to everyone did actually dan antipolsky did mighty bush guys did we all just looked to him like that guy's the funniest of all um, right. i don't know what he does anymore like but um especially back when he didn't give a shit before he got his tv breaks uh, that was just hilarious. You'd wear uh, that tight Riddler suit. Did you ever see yes, that? Yes, I did see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he really didn't care. Yeah, he didn't care for a while there. 
and it was fucking great. But um, yeah, so um, so yeah, I guess that's what the show sort of going to vaguely be like. Yeah, moaning about having not gone to university. Uh, <laughs> and my wife just says, "Oh, it just sounds like you just got a chip on your shoulder." And I think you like, yeah, yep. I guess I, I, guess I do. <laughs> Love Manchester. Been there over a decade now, and it's a uh, oh yeah, yeah good I old place, when, man. Uh, when that first boom in the 90s started, when they were building all these new hotels and stuff. Because I remember back in the day, there was a hotel by the, by the, <clears throat> by Piccadilly Station. God, what was it? I think it's called the International. Okay. And, it was, and it, it was just this horrific, there was so many horrific rundown hotels there. I remember late 90s, very early 2000s. And uh, Glenn Wool and I would always stay there when we played the Frog and Bucket. And man, it was, it was where all the kind of, um, guy, gay guys who couldn't come out of the closet for okay. whatever reason in their lives would go. So it'd be truckers and, and, <laughs> and the bar would just be filled with the most heterosexual looking gay guys just getting it all out on one night. Yeah. <laughs> it was absolutely terrifying. Because the thing is, you know, and they were all like kind of new to being camp. And the, but the, each one of them could kick the shit out of you anytime they wanted. They were like hard men. But just going for it, and <laughs> still, 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 just on the cusp of being able to be out or not. And it's such a weird, uh, kind of a wonderful thing to have, have observed. That <laughs> the parties used to be uh, just drug field. I remember coming back from the gigs and just sort of sneaking up to our rooms and getting in our rooms and being safe and giggling. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say anyway, you, all, you and, and Glenn must have down. looked. Yeah, you and Glenn must have looked like. Candy to uh, those truckers, oh, you know, with yeah. your look back then as well. So, oh yeah, they wanted us to party with them, that's for sure. <laughs> and uh, we used to sometimes, you know, as long as we could handle it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're good fun. I like these guys, but I don't know. They get a little handsy <laughs> later on. <laughs> they would always get handsy. There was no. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> if you're six foot two, you don't. You know, you you can afford a bit of handsy. So yeah, what were we talking about before? Oh yeah, I was talking about how people are um, snobby towards people who voted Brexit, and they keep calling them all racists and all that. Yeah, and I keep thinking to myself, if you want uh, to, like, for Americans, for example, they're just gonna guarantee another Trump victory. The more John Oliver pompously makes fun of. Uh, uh, People that voted for Trump, just the more likely it's going to happen again. You know. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's tricky on the, the the Brexit thing, obviously. You know, and especially for comics, I imagine as well, because obviously the the vast majority, it's it, it well of alternative comedy anyway. It sort of comes from a position more to the left of politics, I guess you'd say anyway. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. Kind of, you know, the, you look at all the the birth of it all, you know, it's um, heavily entrenched or was, you know, back in the 80s in the Labour Party and, you know, that kind of well, thing. It, yeah, how the Labour Party used to be. Well, it used to be, it's always been like, um, it's supposed to be like punching up and on the side of the little man. But yeah. That we're at an interesting point right now where I think um, the, 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 that the working classes, even the people that were the, the core of Labour, um have have not really gone to the conservatives but they've gone to the brexit party and they've gone and 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 so so there's an interesting time where it's very easy to just be uh like all the other 
lefty comedians and just be like, yeah, uh, you know. But I think there's a, a quite a lot of comedians now, more than you think, that are instinctually go- not feeling it. Yeah. That, uh, like there's um, me, I, I do a positive Brexit thing, but it's not about like positive, glad that Brexit happened. It's more like celebrating the people who voted Brexit, like, you know, how yeah. English of a, man- a maneuver it was. And you've got to feel feel pride about it because <laughs> it's like it's such an English thing to do. No, no, you really shouldn't do that. Fuck off, mate. Yeah, yeah. And I just think so. I think if you're a comedian, your job is always to be a little bit contrary and to go against the thing. And if and if it's a mass of posh people telling a whole bunch of other people that they're shitheads and they're wrong, yeah, your instinct is to play against kind of both now and yeah because that comedians are like I, I was talking i was talking to Stuart lee and i said i bet you'll be like a red pill comedian within about three years instinctually yeah he he's the sort of guy who like would yeah of course like those and america's got more of them haven't they like the joe rogans and and that lot we've got well there's what's his name uh andrew doyle right okay do you know him who does some um, Titiana McGrath. I haven't seen that. No, no. No, it's like a Twitter character. It's like a pop. Okay. Woke. Well, anyway, there's so there's people kicking back, and uh, your job, um, well, my job, is to just be absurd uh, through the absurdity. So anyway, I guess what I was trying to get back to is, I, 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 I it doesn't suit me to do a a, a bashing woke people show because <laughs> right. I'm also still woke i'm just being yeah. contrarian <laughs> this is where you're so this is how much of a professional i am at uh, this podcasting that's where you know your your show title is like absolutely apt for the way that stuff is at the moment whether you realize it or not but it is all about identity at them that's the yeah the, the struggle that that this country is going through currently is you know half the yeah. people think well everyone's oh. got wrong about who we think we are probably this is this this is we don't know who we are in in i remember going on stage in like 2001 two three four and i remember uh, my bugbear then was was people going around laying claim for great things that had been done by people in the past you know like uh you know that that song two world wars in one world cup do darn i used to do um uh the the no world cups but pretty much we shouldered most of the world war uh, uh, yeah like anyway (laughs) i did it from the base from the soviet union's perspective and then um but 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 my thing was is uh people taking pride from giants that shoulders they stood on and now it's almost like i find myself doing the opposite like i still uh is when people are like uh you know making people have to feel guilt or something. And I just think, no, that that's, that's my new bugbear is if you don't, if we're not, if you're not, if you're not allowed to take pride in like, and you shouldn't like all the uh, advances of the Western world, then you shouldn't have to feel shame for like, like, which one is it? Which, which, which do you want? And I, I think it should be like, uh, uh, just sit back and go, and all of us go, well, we're all alive. Like we, we all have so much more in common with every single person alive today than we do with anyone from the past. Like 
you could even I've got a routine in this show about like trying to have conversation with any of my ancestors and they would just be morons like the anyone from the far corners of the world right now we could sit down and we would get each other and we could be friends but if you like talk to your very own ancestors going all the way back there's very few of them you'd see eye to eye on anything with because they'd be all superstitious and weird and they'd yeah. have like no teeth they'd be small they'd be hateful. mega racist and yeah, yeah. They, well they wouldn't even be racist because they would have never ever seen another race oh, no, no, they'd be living they in some cave yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I like how they, they got saved by the loom. <laughs> you know, like, because I, I always think, like, um, when people imagine their ancestors, a lot of, like, English people, they always imagine they come from, like, wig-wearing posh people. But the reality is most of us, like, when they do the DNA, most of us are all peasant as fuck. There's the odd person who's got yeah. DNA of a posh person. But most of us are, like, the the first time they got posh was when they were allowed to work in a factory on a loom or or down a mine that was like that was like a step up to be a nine-year-old miner because but before that people were just effectively serfs and then yeah uh, and it like every single um human group at some point or another you uh, will have been uh slave people or serf people it just goes it's just just goes without saying like like in Viking culture, they never uh, talk about it much, but 50% of the people in those communities were slaves. <laughs> they were just like, that's that's how it worked. You capture people, yeah. you kept them as slaves. <laughs> Everyone had slaves. And so we've all, we've all got way more in common than, uh, you know. Yeah, that, that's my ineloquent way of <laughs> holding hands and singing Kumbaya. That, that's like you're, you've been hanging out with Mary Beard too much, and that's your history of the world, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'd love to see you on Who Do You Think You Are. Yeah. I, guess I think you'll be, of... be fucking awesome. That would be a, just your bag, that would. That would be amazing. Well, I got... Yeah, I love all that stuff. And, uh, and then I've got... Because, like, on my... Um, on my immediate ancestors, I've got, I feel like I'm from the bad guys of history because I've got like, maybe that's why I understand all the bad guys better. But my mom's from Trinidad, so she's a white Trinidadian, white West Indian, of which there's like 12% of the population are that. Right. Although you, the, the term, like they, everyone mixes now and has done for the last while. So there's so many people that are mixed race that you would call a cousin and stuff like that that's just the way obviously but there yeah. are white people but they're not like people who just move there like my mum's mum's line they go back like back to scottish indentured laborers so they were the first people to work sugarcane fields and then slavery came along and everybody moved up a notch if they were white and that's kind of how that went and then after that slavery was abolished by britain first out of all the european countries and then um, then it, they brought it, they just replaced it with indentured laborers again, but this time from Southeast Asia, or not Southeast Asia, from Asia, like Sri Lanka. Right, right. And so the dominant uh, ethnic group in Trinidad would be, if you went technical, would be from um, India, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, f followed then by uh, Africans and then white people. And then, and then uh, but because all the Carib Indians died out, straight away from um from plague of course right um and then 
so anyway, yeah, so they, that's the mix of Trinidad, but there's been so much mixing in Trinidad that they kind of have their own looks, like kind of like a Bob Marley look. Um, so, so, but the, it's interesting how they treat race uh, in Trinidad. Is they, they, they are of the old school of like, uh, they really talk about things openly, you know, right. and, and they tease each other and, and they, they kind of have a real Caribbean thing about it. I wonder whether that's because the, the dominant culture isn't a po-faced uh, European population. I don't know. But uh, it's refreshing to go to Trinidad because people will talk about race like the, within the first five minutes, and, but in a way that isn't serious. So that's, that's something about Trinidad. So I'm from the white people from Trinidad on one side, so that's kind of like the bad guys. But worse than that is my granddad... Uh, mom's dad he was an american <laughs> from georgia so it's like oh brother you know, oh, there's going to be bad blood somewhere in there you don't want to dig too deep there i've then, not yeah. dug too deep he seemed like a good enough guy <laughs> he was a sniper <laughs> in, on the u.s army in world war one but then so so he died and then so mom's family ended up being poor so that's that's what gives them the kind of uh you know they were kind of like white rednecks in trinidad which is a unique uh group and then on my dad's side, they were Northern Irish Protestant people. <laughs> so it's, like, oh, it's like all the all the all the people <laughs> that that my lefty pals would call the bad guys. But I'm, I think I think we'll miss Europe. <laughs> my wife's depressed about it every single day. I just can't live with the depression. I have to try and find the find the happiness. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so it's going to be. It's funny, isn't it? How start talking about your show and then all, all this sort of stuff just sort of comes. Yeah. Comes and my out. show's not no. about this. No. <laughs> oh God, this is depressing. Like, no one's going to come to my show after they listen to this. Oh, don't worry. We'll, 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 we'll put the spin on it. I'll, I'll do a good edit <laughs> and everything. You're as well. have to. <laughs> yeah. It's such um, a strong thing though. Like, uh, people just, uh, like I could probably argue with myself from two years ago and boy, yeah. I could just hammer myself on that. Yeah, that that's and that, that's half the problem, isn't it? None of us really know what's what seems to be going on at the at the moment, at, at least. Anyway, so I, t I tell you one thing that's quite surprising, though, because you sort of like mentioned it a few times through us chatting, is um, how much writing you do as well. Because I don't think would it be fair to say that it's sort of assumed of you that you're making stuff up all the time. Well, this is it, but I I guess that I think uh, both things are true. So like, um, uh, like I, to, I can't really go on and just uh, like all the material at some point is improvised on stage. So, but that comes from it has to come from somewhere. Like I, I don't have enough of an imagination to just switch it on. So right. So if I if I write like say ten thousand words and just write and write and write, it'll all be just, uh, just shit or just like say I don't I don't understand grammar like literally or punctuation like i didn't do concentrate at school but I just write all these words and just get it out and try and get as much just keep kind of exercising the brain and then i i'm convinced that it comes out form so so my subconscious does a better job of knowing which stuff to edit and then so you can be on stage and something will just come to you and you'll think god that was clever or whatever right. but it, it wasn't clever it was already 
you've pieced your mind has pieced two things together that you've thought about already. So it's just just a, a way of thinking. And if I, I you know, I have, and I also do try and like work out a joke and then try that, and it edits itself and it becomes something else on its own. It's basically, I have no idea what I'm doing. See, <laughs> so, but but the improv uh, the impro that works will stay in, and then that becomes a bit, and it looks really written. When I went to the first Edinburgh Festival uh, in 2000, I think it was. And I, uh, I, I remember seeing like the Mighty Boosh and Garth Marenghi and Rich Hall and, and uh, Simon Munnery. And it really blew my mind open about live comedy because I always thought live comedy was just going to be like observational guys observing stuff and all this creative stuff. And that blew the doors open for me. And I thought, God, it can be really literally anything you want it to be. And that, that changed it for me because then I, I didn't have to worry about, like I said, really worried that I don't really observe things like people do. Like it doesn't entertain me to work out relationships and like I just don't get it. And yeah. I don't know how to write jokes. But that kind of, if I remember to take the pressure off and, and remind myself, just, just go and fucking, you know, do talking and, 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 and act like a clown. And then that's, that's enough. So, so. When I do that, like the jokes is all, the joke jokes is the jokes will accidentally come. Right. And that's like the freedom of getting to that point where you're confident enough that I'm going to talk about this, this and this. And then all of a sudden something will come and you go, oh, I think I've done a joke then. <laughs> so oh. Fuck, oh. I just can't stay on point, though, can I? What were we talking about? No, 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 that's fine. Don't worry. It's um, you're sort of like planting ideas in your own head almost then while you're going through the writing process so that there'll be a, enough stuff to to sort of <laughs> find yeah. almost to find in your mind while you're that's right that's it yeah it's like yeah it's like packing a big bag of of lots of books on your back and then <laughs> just yeah, hoping you can pull out something at, yeah at the time that, that you need it have you always been like that or were you a more sort of structured were you ever trying to be a more what you just described as like what your perception of a, a stand-up comedian was yeah and i think i've always been i've always been trying to do that right so i haven't like uh ever just gone oh yeah I've, um like I'm, I'm constantly trying to do it the way i think is right right you know like spending hours trying to write a thing but uh seldom do those ever make it into a show somehow but i i keep trying to do it the right way by writing a lot you know and thinking a lot but i i, I think um I, I think my favorite part is when is doing edinburgh shows where you go oh i'd like to do uh like thinking of it like in a really autistic way of like i think i'd like to do a section where i didn't do any talking <laughs> and, and there was some music and just do some funny faces and then i'll start with that <laughs> or, yeah or i think i think this i think during that section i might do some shouting you know and then and then when you've got some routines it's nice uh to look at it like a painter and then go i wonder what i mean by that oh yeah okay that ties up with that maybe that means that and then you, you then you go and you end up doing an edinburgh show that means all this stuff to you <laughs> and then 
that that's when like oh i don't read reviews at all because someone can give you a five-star review but it'll have meant something different than you thought it did right then <laughs> and you can still be bitter going oh fuck that shit he <laughs> <laughs> did not get, get it at all yeah <laughs> there was so much more like someone would go uh tony law what a kooky idiot just to, to, and you're just going what are you talking about that that was some really smart stuff i did yeah <laughs> This is my art. Joy, joyously <laughs> rub, uh, absurd and just stupid. That's not stupid. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it's um, it, it must it because it it does sound like you're sort of wired a bit differently to a lot of other comedians because it almost, from what you were saying there, makes it from the stuff that you write and like you know in your own words there you were saying oh but it never makes it into a show it never quite works out but you're happier and comf- more confident to go for the stuff that probably a lot of other comedians wouldn't be whereas they're they're sort of be the reverse wouldn't they it'd be all the written stuff they'd yeah stick think, to religiously and, that, and keep banging away and keep trying to make that one joke work time and time again yeah they're they're lucky uh, well i yeah i'm i'm one i'm a real pussy fucking uh victim person all the time <laughs> like oh they're lucky that they you know because I, I do wish i could write crafty jokes uh with layers you know you listen to a bill burr routine you're just going holy shit it sounds like he's just talking to his buddies but it's yeah. like a level 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 i love that sometimes i accidentally get a routine like that um but then you know like over here where we produce an hour every year you I, I feel like i've got no choice but to just do the best i can uh, clowning and i figure if you get a la- if you can get people laughing for an hour it doesn't really matter what it is so Does that it? bring that brings up an interesting point then so what's the sort of as you said six, was it 16 edinburgh shows you've done now yeah 16 one man shows Th- this will be what, the 16th i think what including the, the dinks i think right what's the, what's the aim then each, each year when you think right i'm i'm doing that again is it okay to purely deliver an hour of laughs or is there some kind of well think, no first, this is a this is going to smash it and this is going to get recognition or you know at what, what first it was definitely about i'm really funny guy i want to get some recognition and then i might get an opportunity to do this and that and i should be um, you know, because really my real dream before I even started comedy was to be able to do something like Saturday Night Live sketch comedy. That was my favorite. Um, but then, you know, <laughs> doing show after show where that's, that's not happening for you. <laughs> um, you know, I started, it slowly started to shift into, I'd say around 2010 where, um, I just was, I thought, oh, I'm just going to give this up because the, the parameters I'd set or the goals I'd set, I wasn't reaching. And um, that was 2010. I thought, you know, I'm just going to go up and do a show at lunchtime. Fuck it. Because there's a free slot at the stand. I'm going to do a show at noon. No PR, nothing. I'm just going to, if I make a little cash, fine. And then, and then I'll call it a day. And uh, that show, something had changed, I guess. Uh, it just built from like three people, one person, then five, then eight. And then a few comedians started to come. And they started tweeting. And then by the end of it, the last two weeks, it was like sold out. And then that, that was the beginning of this uh, of sort of snowballing where I thought, God, it's just great. People want to come and just laugh at what I do. Yeah. I thought, well, whatever it is, I, I started getting off on that. 
And then it was like 2012, uh, like 2011 and 12, I started winning loads of awards. And I could literally see success on the horizon. I thought, fuck, everything's coming the way I've wanted it. This is, something's happened. So the minute I started just doing it because I loved it, it was starting to work. And that's when the alcoholism kicked in because something inside of me, uh, self-sabotage, just didn't feel, literally did not feel I was worth success. And I just, that's when the wheels came off. And then that was like, so 13 was still a good show, but then 14, 15, 14 and 15 was just like chaos. Right. And uh, this threw it all away. And um, then so 16, 17 uh, has been just trying to, build it back up again and then sort of like 18 and now is me back to where i was in 2010 right just going gosh you're really lucky and i'm really lucky i hung on to a small fan base that i can still uh do it as a job because i don't get booked for lots of big clubs there we go so this one's going all very nicely and very well isn't it as i said before yeah sorry about it being a really long one but uh no, it's important this. I love Tony to bits, and hopefully that's coming across that I'm a big fan. And we're getting on like a house on fire. Isn't that lovely when that happens when you get to chat to one of your comedy heroes? So, um, what do I want to do? Why am I interrupting this, Kev? Oh, yes, that's it. You need to give us a follow and a like and a subscribe on social media, but also on the podcast itself. So wherever you listen, um, whatever your preferred podcast player is, please click the buttons, get on there, like it, subscribe it. If it allows you to do so, give it a five-star rating and a review. That is absolutely massive for us and really helps us out. So um, as I said, not going to whitter on too long. Social media at Pullback Reveal. Check that out. But yeah, let's get back to Tony Law. And we're going to talk a bit more about Edinburgh in this, the final section of today's episode. Thank you. So me and Phil Nickel are doing this double act thing where we improvise the show completely. So I was sitting there, we'd, we'd, there was a girl who'd done a show on before us, and I didn't see her, but apparently she's really good. But um, uh, young, you know, new, yeah. and um, doing, you know, you're a person talks and then says a thing, and there's the routine about a thing. And so it's, and so it's full, of, there's an audience really liked it. Um, anyway, so Phil and I went out and improvised like completely from nothing and did, uh, did an hour and some of it was hilarious and some of it made people feel uncomfortable. And then, you know, the, the laughs were big. Anyway, at the end, this woman made a really pointed effort to walk straight up to the promoter and, and say how much she really enjoyed the first act and the first act, the first yeah. act and, uh, gave us this really dirty look. And I thought it's so funny that that person has probably you know seen maybe 20 comedy shows in their life or maybe 50 and they know what they like and they know what they think comedy is and then you've got like phil nickel who's probably won 20 different awards has been doing it for 25 oh, yeah. years he's won <laughs> yeah. the edinburgh award and they got me this lesser version of that but the, like between us probably probably 15 20,000 gigs under our belts and yeah we yeah. so so I had such arrogance or so little faith that pair of 50 year olds who've been do, who uh, that that no no faith or belief that they know what they're doing or they're the, or that that might be something that's actually good like you cannot like it but to to, to 
to go out of your way to make a point about how you know, you know, you know what's best. And that wasn't it. It's hilarious to me. It's like, it's like me. Uh, I'm going to make a real uh, connection here that's r real blowhard. Um, me walking out of an art exhibition and, you know, this 50-year-old painter's bit and me shouting loudly, this fucking shit, my kid could have done that. <laughs> it's basically, yeah. that's what they've done, but they've done it politely, yeah. in a polite way. Yeah. Man, <laughs> I have lost the power of speech tonight. But no, you get don't worry, I mean. man. I'm the... Yeah, I do. I do completely. Are you and um, Phil going to, because obviously you've known each other for like forever, I'm sure anyway. Well, and have, uh... He's like a hero of mine when I started. Yeah. He was the guy I looked up to, uh, that sort of chaos out at the edge sort of thing. There's was him, um, Garth Marenghi, I remember. Um, of course, Simon, yeah. Simon Munnery, Sean Locke, Mighty Boosh. And uh, there was acts like those guys and Phil that I just thought, wow, Rich Hall. These guys are just the best live stand-up comedy in the world. I still think that. And so those are my, uh, and Harry Hill, those are my guys that I look to. And so I just love Phil still. It just makes me laugh, like just hanging around. So my thing is like, I get to hang around with Phil and like, like an hour before the show, the stuff he's saying and trying out with me is so funny. Like, it's funnier than anybody's hour show I've ever seen. He's just consistently funny. And then when we get on stage, of course, the the audience uh, is the element that makes it not, like, it's never that good. Yeah. Sometimes we get to a point where the audience is really giving and loving, and he comes out of his shell, and you see him get close to what he is, funny-wise. And I get, then I rise up to, and between us, we did this preview uh, here in Islington across the road. And there was 30 people that were just into it. And man, it was like for an hour and a half, it was absolutely like genius level comedy. All of it, if I do say so myself, but it was mostly Phil. And, um, and I thought that's what, that's what we want to try and get to each time. Uh, so, so that's why I like doing it. And but yeah. then we did another one the next night and, uh, and it, it just it was loads of people who just, they just didn't want to they had no idea why what this was <laughs> they just thought that they, they were watching two two guys who've wandered in off the street <laughs> and one person uh held their hand up near the end and said what kind of drugs are you on and then <laughs> do you know phil and i looked at each other and smiled and we had a really good 10 minutes after that and we both went backstage and i said do you know what really cheered me up is when I, that that woman asked us if we were on drugs she had a foreign accent and it made yeah. me think, gosh, she didn't understand what we we're saying, so she didn't hate us. Yeah. <laughs> he said, that's the same thing I thought. <laughs> but we thought her, her arms were folded and she hated us because she just thought we were terrible. Uh, but no, that was the other woman who did that. <laughs> but anyway. so Do you, so, do so you egg each other on then on, on stage? Are you sort of, does it make you push the boundaries further when you're together, do you think? Is there yeah, like a competition yeah. between each other for outdoing yeah, what the last not person in a, said? Not in a, because neither of us are like controversy guys. Not in a um, um, Frankie Boyle way of saying no. it like that. No, more in a kind of, can I get can I get laughs from like speaking like a Neanderthal or can I get laughs uh, smacking my head off the wall or is there a way 
I can crawl around on the floor and get la- like it pushes our we push each other that way. Yeah. Or or making taking the story further stupid or further crazy. Or can I invent a backstory to myself that is more outrageous and funny than he did? Yeah, so definitely that's that's what that does. So so in my hour show, uh, it's me trying to do that, but based around some material I've prepared. Um, and then when I get together with Phil, it's uh, the same thing, but without a net. Yeah. And you. it's two people. So I think if... If if we did it to fifty people who dug us and got it, it's going to be the best gig in the festival. If it's a uh, hundred people who couldn't get into another show and w- aren't willing to give it the respect and the time, uh, then it's going to be the worst thing in the fridge. So it's <laughs> good. So uh, let least with my solo show, there's going to be something that will get it through those other kind of audiences i think what we both do is um mainly uh if you're a bit of a comedy fan or a comedy nerd or you're just a kind of an artistic person with an open mind or you know or or fuck i don't know a a plumber who's just digs bands yeah or or jazz or something those people are just gonna love it yeah you're if you're a a bit of a stiff and you don't have a sense of humor of your own already then it you're not going to like any of it cuz i yeah, think that's yeah. that's that's the thing about like people like um phil and all that is it if it, or, or sean Locke. i mean sean Locke's one of the ones who made it big which is a bit of a surprise same with harry hill they somehow found a way to appeal to the stiffs but yeah. not all of them cuz lots of people well, don't like you, them either do you know all those people when you did that little list before of different comics that, that you were like looking up to? Yeah, uh, that are all anarchic in their style, or, or at least were at the time. You know, more so probably at the time that you was, you know, yeah. you, you'd have first been seeing them. But with that element of they've all made it to the mainstream. They've all yeah, but they had... made it just to the edge of it. They made it as yeah, far true. as they can. Yeah. And, yeah, um, but, I think but someone still, like, like is that control anarchy. Yeah, I guess so because he's not. He, he, despite all his awards and that kind of thing, he's not instantly recognisable. I'd say to a lot of no, not at all non-comedy people, is he? Well, he's genuinely more unhinged on stage, so he's he's he he's just a little bit further out. And I think also, I think maybe um, if he was uh, not like seen as foreign i think he might have done better as well right like because rich got about got fairly big as a foreign voice but i think i think if phil had have started up and came along now then maybe i don't know yeah because he just had a foreign voice but uh what's what's her name Catherine ryan it didn't stop her but then her stuff is very much about beyonce and about sex and relationships and and if you do those topics so i yeah. i remember when sean Locke decided you know he's got a family he needs to and he's he's a funny he, he just said he was fed up of only making the people at the back of the room laugh you know the promoters and the and the comedians and so what he did was he turned his hand to the subjects the big mainstream subjects and he just sean locked them and it meant that he was able to keep his integrity and get fairly big 
And then, of course, the panel show just worked perfectly for that kind of guy. Like, I think if I had a, got a crack at my own panel show, that would be the way to go because you can be that arch, uh, anarchic, surreal type comic. But when you're in a panel show situation, you are kind of forced to say stuff you might not write down and say in a show. So, yeah. So if, if people are bantering about Beyonce, you might find yourself accidentally saying something about Beyonce because you're trying to keep the ball in the air. Whereas when you're writing your show to go and do to your fans, you're not you going to go there, are you? No, you're you, not going to go there. No, you'd write about Prussia or something that yeah. interests you. Um, so and, and, that, that, and that's always lovely, I think, is when you see. Oh, I must remember the next thing that I want to say to you as well. Sorry, but yeah, it, it it is really nice as an audience member, as a comedy fan, actually, when you see people that you know that's not the shit that they'd normally talk about. I that is, I don't know why, but it always ends up making you love that person that little bit more or respecting them a bit more. You know, but it's like you said, it's like it's taking the the Tony Law formula that you're a massive fan of, but then applying that to Beyonce or applying that to a, a Love Island or applying that to something else, you know, because it's got then that that connectability of the stuff that you do over here in the yeah. office, but with, oh, here's the, I've been waiting for this spin on it. You know, that's what it, it that's the next yeah. thing your brain thinks is, oh, I've been waiting to hear a well, different last voice on this. Last year's show, the biggest laugh I was getting was a just a routine about back fat. Right. And, and after like 55 minutes of me, you know, going all over the place and people coming along in the journey, and then you do a, a really simple bit about the fat on your back that grows um people laughed at that more than the others and i and i remember like at first a little piece of me dying thinking oh no like this is this yeah. is the hackiest bit of the show and it's getting the biggest laugh and then i th and i thought no i think it's it's just uh it's like a it's like a little bit of grounding before we finish well <laughs> yeah and, and and also I, yeah you shouldn't think of it that way what it is and what people would have been enjoying is we're hearing Tony Law talk about something. I've got to word this correctly, but you know, no, I more, you more relatable, more. Yeah. You know, they, the reason they liked it so much because they heard your opinion about something that was more mainstream. So immediately that makes it not mainstream because it's your opinion on it. And it was like, oh, gr it's great watching you almost struggle well, with something normal when as well, you know compare it to well prussia or something like that other, you know it's something bit, a bit more relatable well the other bit that was doing good that i sort of pulled over to this show as well but i do it slightly different this year is just not a positive take on brexit but a positive take on the people who voted for brexit so I'm yeah giving a positive take on british people and and that gets huge cheers even from like really lefty liberal remain people they really yeah. love it too because you can see them just thinking they they don't want to just constantly hear how their mates or their parents or or you know people they grew up with are you know they don't want to just constantly be jammed down their throats that those people that they know and love are all beyond the pale bad people they're just sick of hearing it so even if they disagree with them you doing a bit that sort of celebrates them and celebrates you know, maybe some of the funnier reasons why people think, uh, you know, are driven to to 
to make the decisions they make, then uh, the people just feel like they're unleashed with kind of gratitude or just like, yeah, celebrate all the people who live here. Yeah. You know, just because someone, you know, it's not you going out and saying, oh, I really like, um, uh, I forgot his fucking name already. Um, uh, um, <laughs> what's Farage? I'm not going out and doing a bit directly about, I love Nigel Farage, but I'm going out and I'm saying, you know, there's plenty of really nice British people who, um, embo- you know, embrace the British punk rock spirit. And, yeah. And a part of them just is freedom loving. And they, as they see it, don't like unelected people. You know, like there's, there's reasons that aren't bigotry of why. And I think it's, I think if you remind people of that, people are happy to hear it. Yeah, you know, it's not you going fucking foreigners out. It's you going, no, British people are actually pretty awesome. <laughs> so, um, in spite, of, you know, I think the more you can do a routine where uh, at the end of it, it's about what makes us similar, then people really dig that. Because, but you have to be accurate. It can't just be um, wishful thinking. Yeah, you have to find a strain that you you know everybody in this country at some point is loved rock music or you know like or had that rebellious streak there's a rebellious streak amongst the british people yeah anyway i'm i'm banging on no 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 i like it mate um the question that i wanted to remember to ask you was are you comfortable being considered a cult comedian well take what i can get yeah <laughs> Uh, I'd, 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 I'd like to have, I, I, I really like that, but I think there's more culty people than, uh, than the amount I'm reaching. So I'd, right. like to be a, I'd like to be a more popular cult comedian. I'd like to be, <laughs> I'd like to be able to fill 500 seats. I don't want the world. I'm not asking for yeah. thousand seaters or this or that. I'd, I'd like to get to a 500 seat level because I think there's enough um, people out there that I could appeal to across political divides, age. Because what I love about my audiences is that like I just did Exeter the other night and there was all different age ranges and all different types of people and all different, you know, the, a lesbian couple who are clearly quite militant dudes, the way we yeah. were bantering with each other. And, and, uh, some gothy types and then some conservative old men and women, but they all sort of had this thing where they liked the anarchy together. They liked the alternativeness of it. And they, they just liked the different crazy. They, they just had eclectic uh, ideas of like, they liked the idea of going to a show where maybe the comedy is going to end up being about the Persian empire from the 500 BC yeah, Dar- Darius the Great. They like the idea that maybe the comedy is going to be something random like that. That's the thing that united them all. They're kind of curious, and uh, but so I think there's more of them out there than I'm reaching. So yeah, actually I quite like it. Yeah, but you know if I I think I mean I'm in a catch twenty two because uh, on the one hand if you get on TV and you get popular because you're on a panel show on Have I Got News for You and you're doing banter about the news you're going to get a shitload of people coming to see this guy banter about the news yeah. but i think if you stay close to your character on tv then when you do a routine about uh about grave diggers 
they're not going to mind. So I think if you're given a chance to do enough TV to advertise your name, then you can do some pretty sweet gigs. But I think it really helps. Yeah, um, it's. I'm probably not going to. I won't be able to think of any names now because whenever you try and put yourself on the spot and go give an example, it's bloody difficult. Oh, you mean for some of an reason. act who's? Yeah, because you do hear of some comics then like going on tour that are maybe on TV quite often, and they almost give warnings before, don't they, to say, "Oh, it's not going to quite be the guy oh, that right, I am I on." <laughs> but I, I've heard that recently, and I can't remember where from. But you know that sort of. I tell you what, if I could if I could reach a Stuart Lee size audience, yeah, I'd be happy. Yeah, he's got with him a very consistent kind of almost far left political viewpoint that people uh, it's easy for them to go, yep, I like that. Yeah, it's not like that. Whereas mine is more kind of uh, I mean that's a part of it, but it's not you know because I end up doing anti communist stuff if I feel like it. (laughs) It's like. You know, so and if I'm tour, if I used to tour with Stuart Lee, I would always try and do a little bit naughty about his audiences too. Yeah. So, but I think I think they're out there. I think I just um, I'm just building it back up again. Yeah, because uh, you you mentioned that the first time that we we chatted of you know you feel like you're on this trajectory at the moment, you know, where it is going the right direction for you. But I think you. You seem to be being, you know, you're being really honest about the fact that you think that you, like you just said, you're growing it still. You know, you're still on on that journey of, of where you want to get to. What, yeah. what, what's like success going to look like to you? Because it kind of, oh, I know exactly. I, go on, mate. No, go ahead. No, no, keep. I, I was just going to say, I don't want to do too much pop psychology on you or or anything like that. But it, you seem like it comes across quite obviously in the couple of chats that we've had of. There's clearly you want more. If that you know, not that not, I don't mean that in a negative connotations whatsoever. But you know, this you're clearly driven, and there's something that you're aiming for. But do you know what that is, or is it kind of your yeah the end of I, the rainbow scenario? If you you know, no, I think it's kind of I think it's pretty simple. Um, is I have a an idea what I think is. Uh, uh, funny or, or 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 like what I imagine is possible to be funny about. So so basically going back over like all the things I've been saying is that I think I think uh, that there's a an amount of people out there that haven't heard me my type of comedy yet. Who if they did would go, oh, I really dig that. And the reason that that's what motivates me is like little things like when I did. Um, uh, up in Ormskirk, the university there, there's a, did a big theater there. And there were people who had traveled from all over the country uh, to, to come and see me. But, but because I'm not advertised everywhere, and they had, they had found out about it in these weird little ways. But they, it meant so much to them, even though like all I'm doing is like goofy, crazy uh, shit, and I'm, I'm under a blanket for a while, you know, all that. Yeah. Even that, the way they come up afterwards and and talk about how much they really dig it and like it, it it gets that really gets inside of you, and you think to yourself, God, this is a, so this is a really worthwhile thing doing. And I don't want to sound like too wanky, but that that's kind of what I think that 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 makes me excited and motivated to want to 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 be able to keep doing this. Yeah, because uh, if people like it that much, then 
then I could play to more people like that. And then that could be my job rather than, you know, then you go into a comedy club and maybe die on your hole because they're not sort of the right people, you know? So like if I go into a mainstream club and I, I might die in my hole, but 40 people in there will become fans and they will start following you after that. Yeah. But the problem is, is even those 40 people, it could have been a hundred people if, if the gig had gone better. Well, I'm going down another rabbit hole, but no, so, no, no, no. To answer no it's the question yeah. more succinctly would be, it's really simple. I just want to get to where I've got a bigger audience and I can do more of this because I really like this. So yeah, to get on TV is not is only purely as an advertisement. Like I don't have any desires to write the great sitcom or be in movies or what I have is a desire to get my face on enough TV shows so that I can advertise myself to a broader audience to build up my live stuff. Because that there's nothing I enjoy more than uh, like at the risk of sounding completely soft. Yeah, I really, I really dig it. <laughs> I really yeah. love well, cause when they you, go with it. During our chats, when we've been talking about comedy, you constantly talk about improving, like still, still wanting to get better as a comedian. You know, you mentioned that quite a lot in the first chat that we have. Of you, you know, you, you're still trying to do that now. <laughs> Which yeah. probably, you know, to like open spot comedians listening to this, or you know, other people would be like. Oh my God, how can someone that, you know, because this is the bloody thing, isn't it, about this life and about entertaining people, probably, yeah. no matter what form it comes in, is you always think that you know what you're trying to achieve. And if you get there, it is like the end of the rainbow, or like someone keeps moving the finishing line, don't they? Yeah. Like a couple of hundred yards up the road, and you're like, I'll be, I'll be happy and I'll stop, you know. I'll be- <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll stop being an arsehole if someone just lets me have this and then you get that and you go, yeah. it's almost like then you can see through the next door and you go, well, oh, that's hang, why hang on, of, what's in there? Yeah, I think that's why I've kind of simplified it and made it less yeah. about, uh, I want to do that and then I want to do that. I've made, I made it, I just want to do stand-up of my own shows to more people who are going to just have a great, who are going to really dig it and feel like it's something for them. <laughs> So That's what I like. you, would you just like to like just tour then basically would be your yeah. ideal of just touring. Yeah. Just tour a new show every year. Kind of what I'm doing, but in a more um, secure fashion. Yeah. And, and it, and it's not just this uh, being able to pay the rent on time security thing that I'm after, which is obviously that's what we're all after, but it genuinely is the other thing of like, uh, it's, it's, it's like a, a, a frustration or a, I hate leaving something on the table or I hate forgetting something. So like, it's like the idea that in Liverpool right now is maybe a hundred people who've never seen me before who would just love it. And I yeah. hate that feeling that I've not found them or connected with them yet. Cause I, I like communing with like-minded people. So, you know, the more outrageous you're, your routine is about in history or about time travel and all that. You just know there's a, there's a, there's 350 people in Manchester who would love that. And I'm, I'm yeah. only reaching 70 of them. And I want to reach, you know, it's not like I want 10,000 people at the O2. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So I, that's enough. Yeah. It's, it, and has that always been the case for you or did you used to have kind of much, 
not saying that that's not a great ambition to have, obviously. 99.9% uh, of people would uh, kill for that same thing, wouldn't they, to be honest? But I think it, I think it was did, maybe... A, did you ever want to be the arena guy or anything no, like that? No, I don't, I don't think so. I think I've always liked the culty uh, alternative stuff, which is a bit ironic. Well, no, not ironic, but like, like all the rock bands I liked. I loved Led Zeppelin and The Who. But they seem to have it both ways. So they're like huge, massive bands. But when I listened to them amongst my family, they were a kind of a culty thing. That's a like that's what the great thing is about music is you can you can be so into the Who, yeah. But but other people maybe haven't even heard of the Who, yeah. or or hate the Who. So that's that's been my template. So uh, rather than be Beyonce, I'd like to be the who, or rather than be um, whatever, uh, Adele, I'd like to be um, uh, the Eels or, yeah, yeah. you know, Flaming Lips. So these are people with huge followings. That's what I want is a huge following of like-minded people. Like Led Zeppelin. With, without having far. to That's sell out. Humongous. Yeah, but they're without still having to sell out. Yeah. You don't want to sell out. <laughs> I'd like to be as big as Bob Dylan. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, with all my morals and ethics still in place and, yeah, viewpoints. I was going to liken it to music when we were talking before, actually, of there being an element of um, people can be quite selfish about what they're into. And we're all sort of like music and comedy is quite similar like that. And I think your probably style of and brand, if I dare call it that, of humour is probably more like a band or a rock band, or you know, if yeah, if you were if if Tony Law, the comedian, was a musician, then you would be like you would be one of those bands that you've just mentioned. You know, well, you wouldn't I got, be. I got a huge, um, big, big burst of interest was when when Nevermind the Buzzcocks was on. Yeah, those would watch that. And um, I, I, they, they, yeah, I, I think they quite like my stuff, Musos. Yeah, I think definitely. They, they dig it. Yeah, but we've we've all got that thing, haven't we, about the band that we're into? So you probably got a buzz like I did from the music that I've liked over the years of the fact that your family didn't know them or didn't like them either. And yeah, that made it better. Yeah, and there isn't there always that element as well though of you don't want your band to get too big <laughs> as That's well because right. you don't want. You know, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, my band and, you know, X number of people go and see them. And then, you know, you see that they've written the the song for the new John Lewis advert or something like that. Yeah. And everyone likes them all of it. And it's like, it's ruined. It's gone. So, you know, it's, um, yeah, that, that, that danger, <laughs> yeah. I guess, you know, of all your fans, yes, wanting Tony Law to be as big as he can. But at the <laughs> yeah. same time, like, I, I don't want him to be too massive yeah. or too... Yeah, successful with what he's yeah, doing. Yeah, I think they want to be made to be bigger than them just seeing the same faces. <laughs> yeah, it, it, exactly, yeah. man. Well, look, I'm going to plug your show massively up in Edinburgh, um, all your social media links and that stuff as well. Um, thanks thanks for taking that. the time, dude, and hopefully catch up with you again soon. Oh, thanks so much, man. It's a great target to you. No worries. Cheers, Tony. Thank you. All the best. All the best, Kev. Cheers. Cheers, man. There we go. So that's it. That is the Tony Law episode of Pullback Reveal and so much in that. Um, but as I, I said to him 
um, and I hope that comes across. So just really delighted, really, that he's getting stuff back on track. I did make the point to him that so often it's the people that you really, really love, the ones that you like the most and respect the most, that end up being the ones that, um, yeah, have a have a sad story. It doesn't quite go right. So it's brilliant to hear that that is not going to be the case for Tony, um, and that creatively he is in a fantastic place at the moment. Um, you can help on that as well. Get along to see him at Edinburgh at Tony Law Identifies. Um, bound to be a fantastic show. You've also got the show that he's doing with Phil Nickel as well. But as I said, all the links for the tickets for all of that are in the show notes. Um, you can check that out there. You can also get him on social media at Mr. Tony Law on Twitter. Um, yeah, just check it out, support him, and um, I'm sure he's going to be out on tour again as well very soon as well when Edinburgh is up. So, yeah, do that. Have a look at what he's up to. Um, but no, absolutely love that. Thank you, Tony, for being so open, honest, and candid with us throughout, um, as is his style, obviously. He doesn't know how to be any other way, does he? He's just one of those people who, who lays it bare, which is um, fantastic for us listening and fantastic for pullback reveal as well so um, yeah there'll be another show in just a few days time that's the way we're running at the moment Uh, next one will be out on Monday so look out for the reveal on social media for that check us out at pullback reveal and also please like subscribe five star ratings and review give it a listen if you've enjoyed it share it with some mates on social media as well and let's keep this baby growing thank you very much that's uh I'm going to get played out here in the wind, outside, by our busker. Thank you. Pull Back Reveal is a podcast by me, Kev Rook, only made possible by the kind generosity of our guests who give up their time for absolutely nothing at all. Now, if you would like to help us out in any way, all you need to do, and it's really simple, is just go to wherever you listen to your podcast. Give us a subscribe, give us a rate and review if it will let you do so, and then get onto social media. Search at Pullback Reveal. You'll find us on Facebook and Twitter. Give us a follow, like our stuff, share what we're doing. That would really, really help at the moment because each and every one of you that does that, it just spreads the message a little bit wider. And the more listeners we get, the bigger and better we can become. So, Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back again next week with another wonderful guest to mark my words. And in the meantime, look out in the midweek for the trailer and the reveal of who our next guest is going to be. Thanks for your time. Bye now.